Hi, uh, my name is Greg, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about what God has done in my life. Uh, my story as it relates to the more important story, his story. I'm going to start way back before I was even dreamt about with the two people that God gave me as parents. My father was a World War II Navy vet who came back from overseas to his home in Ohio uh, to marry his Indiana sweetheart, who was a VA nurse. My parents were truly one of God's greatest gifts uh, to me. Our family never had a lot of money, but we were always provided for, cared for, and loved. I'm the youngest of three sons, and above all, we kids never doubted that our parents, before everything and everyone else, loved God, and they wanted us to share that relationship with him. So, growing up, there was never a time that I did not believe there was a God, nor I did not believe in him. We attended church regularly on Sunday mornings for Sunday school and worship service and Sunday night and Wednesday night. Those were the days that was simply a given, like brushing your teeth before bedtime. And I never felt particularly pressed or stressed about it. I did the usual church stuff, like singing the kids' choir. And I can remember, uh, I was like six, I memorized most of the first chapter of John's Gospel for a Christmas pageant at age six. I, I remember being drilled on that. But as with the old adage, just because you sleep in a garage doesn't make you a car, all that activity and all that life did not make me God's child. It did not give me a personal relationship with my Heavenly Father, who very much wanted me to be born again, born from above, and to adopt me into his family. So, while I was sitting in the car after Sunday a.m. church, in those days when you could sit in cars and play with the steering wheel, you know, and put them out of gear and roll down to the poles. Don't bring that up. Um, I was sitting in the car waiting for my folks in a members meeting or something like that. I was rooting around in the glove compartment for something to do. I found a small pamphlet, what we would call a gospel tract. Now, I'm doing a lot of this for you newbies and people who've never living in a different generation, a gospel tract, and uh, much like the one I'm, this is an artifact from ancient history, like I'm holding right here, that asked me, am I going to heaven? And inside, check off the boxes you think are necessary in order to receive God's forgiveness and become a part of God's family. So things like giving to charity, regular church attendance, church membership, those sorts of things. So, you know, with all my church experiences, I went through this test. That was the first time I realized what God had done through me for Jesus and his death on the cross. That according to Scripture, and there were Scripture verses for all of these things, there was nothing that I could do to earn God's forgiveness except to accept what Jesus had done on the cross for me. So right there... On the front seat of that 1958 Plymouth Fury, I talked to God and asked him to forgive me through Jesus. And in that moment, I became God's child. I was born and adopted into God's family. Well, that was 57 years ago, and I've never looked back. But you may well ask, what has happened since then? What could I possibly tell you in a 5 to 10-minute soundbite that could or would relate all that God means and has done and is doing in my life. 
So I'm going to revert to preaching mode and leave you with three things. Here's my three things. I'm still a sinner. Life is not a bed of roses. And this world is not my home. Three things. I'm still a sinner. I've been placed in God and declared righteous by what Jesus has done. Philippians 3.9 says, Be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. I've been found in him and declared righteous. I am forgiven, but not perfect. And I realize that many of my difficulties in my life are caused by my own sinfulness. Thoughtless words, cruel deeds, bad choices, big mouth. I think as you grow in Christ, those things have gotten a bit better. But just to let you new believers or those that are struggling with coming to Jesus, that you're not going to be perfect. Christians are forgiven, but not perfect. And as we grow in grace and the Holy Spirit, we become more like him. But we're not we're not perfect. The second thing, life is not a bed of roses. Or maybe it is. I've always struggled with that phrase, bed of roses. Because here's the thing. Maybe bed of roses is a good analogy because roses are beautiful and fragrant but full of thorns that stab and cut and make you bleed. And I imagine a bed of them would just fill your senses with smell and beauty while at the same time absolutely rip you apart. And life can be like that. You see, I think sometimes we give the impression um, to new believers or unbelievers that, that with Jesus, life with Jesus and the family of God will be all smooth and lovely. The perfect picture of a Hallmark movie. And I love Hallmark movies because it all comes out at the end. You know, she always ends up with the right guy. So anyway, um, you trust in Jesus and suddenly all your problems are solved. You finally get that promotion and that raise at work. That girl finally agrees to go out with you. You miraculously lose 50 pounds of unwanted fat, and your complexion suddenly clears up. All those things happen when you trust in Jesus. Well, I'm afraid to tell you, friends, if you're a new believer, or perhaps you're here today considering the claims of Christ on your life, you should know this. God's forgiveness through Jesus and this new life that we enjoy through his gift of this new life doesn't come with a promise of complete deliverance from pain, suffering, sorrow in this life. And I'll get to why in a minute. The list of these life trials is huge, but it could include, for some of you in this room, the loss of property and home from fire or flood or the ancient enemy of trees, the heartbreak of infertility, the medical tests, the expense, the loss of children that never were, The loss of reputation and even your job because at your workplace you were deceived to your face and lied about behind your back. The loss of both parents through lingering terminal illnesses such as cancer. The struggle to adopt when the powers that be decided you didn't make enough money or you were too Christian or you weren't Christian enough. I should explain that one. Uh, Cheryl and I, when we were, I was teaching school in Iowa and we worked for a year and a half to get a child from India. And we were turned down because we weren't Catholic. So we were some of the very few people that were turned down by Mother Teresa. So just, just think of that. So uh, <laughs> I'm not giving it to those people. <laughs> um, so anyway, the struggle to adopt, and some of you know about that. The agony of sexual abuse in your family with children, siblings who are wounded to the soul and forever changed 
even with God's grace in your life, forever changed by that. The heartbreak of wandering prodigal children for whom you pray day and night. The loss of a child to suicide. The loss of your best friend. After 40 years of marriage. So, anyway, why would God, why is this so? Why does God allow this? It would be easy to say, the pat answer, oh, we still live life in a sinful, fallen world, and, and that's how it is. But for me, I think the real answer is to demonstrate that and underline this. Jesus was and always will be with me. Hebrews chapter 13, Jesus, quoting Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 139 that if he ascended into heaven, God would be there. But if he made his bed in Sheol or hell, the lower parts, he is there. This mystery of God's grace allows us to endure these things. As we've been filled with the peace that passes understanding that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4. It's only in this that he can show his strength. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. For when I am weak... There he shows his strength. And as the song said, this can't be about me if it's this mystery of God's grace, this miracle working in my life. And briefly, this leads us to the the third point. This world is not my home. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasure's laid up where? Somewhere up there, somewhere beyond the blue. Where's my banjo when I need it? The angels beckon me from heaven's golden shore, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. You know, the Lord, you know, I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's golden shore, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And uh, maybe, (laughs) sorry about that. Maybe it's because I'm getting old or whatever, but I think it's something that we need to take on as believers. New believers, you need to know that this is, life is not going to be all sweetness and light. Unbelievers, people that haven't uh, placed their faith in Jesus at this point, that haven't been born into the family of God, that don't know these things, you need to consider the claims of Christ in your life, how Jesus loves you and died for you and paid for everything you've done wrong or ever will do wrong and provides an abundant life here with him and a home forever with him in heaven. And we old believers need to start letting go of these things that we think are so important in our lives and start seeing that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. And I pray that God teaches all of us that and keeps teaching me in that respect. Thank you.